did you lose your car lately and find it on the back of a wrecker? Oh, is your family avoiding you on Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram, email, text, and phone calls? Oh my, do you have a new fashion accessory on your ankle? Well, you're in the right place. Michelle's 12 steps to being an idiot will make you feel better about yourself. And now, introducing your host from Houston, Texas, Michelle C. And this is 12 Steps to Being an Idiot. Okay, this is Michelle C. from Houston, and I wanted to talk today about family. But then I started thinking about it a little bit more because I had some things happen with my mom this week, and I'm going to talk about my mom because I've got some really funny stories with my mom, and we have had a pretty complicated relationship because I moved out when I was really young, 17 actually. And she's really kind of been there for me. I never really saw it, but I want to talk about some of the things that I've put my mom through because we do that with our parents. We put them through a lot. And I especially did. I remember this one time, but it actually happened more than once when I called my mom and I had her bring the truck. This was like something that was a common thing for me. I would just call, I would just say, bring the truck. And she would never ask any questions. She would just pull up in this, I think it was like a 1980 something burgundy truck. It was my stepdad's truck. And he went to A&M and they just pull up in the truck and I'd be sitting on the curb with my boxes. I was moving out of some guy's apartment. I was always moving out fighting with some guy that I thought was so incredible. And I don't even know how she found me because this was way before GPS. And I would just call and tell her where to meet me. And then she'd just pull up with the truck. I'd be sitting on the curb and we'd just put my boxes in the truck. And she never asked me any questions about it. It was hilarious. And it was when I thought about it before... I moved uh, and I was a little bit more stable with with my decisions. I, I barely had a lot of stuff to to just keep because I was always moving out and having to leave something in the middle of the night. So I kind of had this rule that I would have everything that I've had fit in just two boxes. And that was it, just two boxes. And for a long time, I was afraid to really acquire more than would fit in two boxes because I knew something was bound to happen. And it was it was just a guy just saying, I love you. And here here I go, like, oh, my God, uh, I'm going to need those two boxes in that truck. You know, it was already predetermined in my head. And just thinking about my mom pulling up in that truck <laughs> And in Texas, it's it's like 107 degree heat, and I don't even think this. I remember I this truck did not have air conditioning, and she would just drive at like an hour just to just to come meet me. So it's just amazing what I don't remember about what she did for me, and I remember a lot of different stories about rehab because before I got into rehab. I saw alcoholics and drug addicts as, you know, back in the, back when they had advertising for people with addiction, they had this 
this man's face, and it was just this pathetic-looking guy that looked really, really sad, like he lost everything. That was the advertisement of what an alcoholic was or a drug addict, and that's all I remember. We didn't have education on it. It wasn't on the internet, and I didn't see myself being that person. So it was really difficult for me to actually admit that I would fit into a pathetic uh, person like that and, and that that was me. And it took a while for me to admit to that, but I would check myself in into rehab at times and then other times I would be checked in by other people. But in rehab, my mom, I would just call her and it was kind of the same thing with the truck as she would take the phone call and, and I would tell her that I was at rehab and she never asked any questions. And if she did, I really wouldn't know what to say because I, a part of me didn't really understand why I was in there. I just knew that my life was terrible and she would just show up at the rehab. I wouldn't see her, but she would drop off socks and it was something she did frequently was I would just call and then the 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 people that ran the facility would just say, your mom came by and she brought you some things and and I would open up and it'd be a pair of socks. <laughs> so she always brought me these pair of socks and it was so funny. I, I, I remember that all the time. And when I got out, she would ask me, so how was it? <laughs> I was like, uh, it was great, mom. It was great. Uh, they they had amazing snacks. Um, and I'll probably be back there someday uh, when life gets hard. Uh, because that's normally what happens in my life. And uh, they actually know how to deal with people like me. <laughs> and... You know, just just things like that just remind me of times with my mom. And I remember when I when I first told her that I was sober, she got used to uh, the fact that I would go to meetings. And so I would see her from time to time. And I was really an angry person whenever I quit uh, drinking and doing drugs and and she would uh, say things to me, like I would be sitting there and she would say to me, well, don't you need to go to a meeting? Because she knew that they they helped me, but it really pissed me off when she would say that because I would say to her, you know, I, I really didn't need to go to a meeting, but now that you said that, you pissed me off and, you know, yeah, I'm going to need to go because you really didn't need to say that. And of course, I mean, if you're, are you saying that there's something wrong with the way that I'm acting? Is that what you're trying to imply? And she would just say, well, no, I just thought that you might need to go to a meeting. And, but I would just blow everything out of proportion. And so she sent me something this week. And that's why I was thinking of her because... She, she hasn't been the kind of mother that, you know, you'd picture on Beaver Cleaver or anything, but she would do things like that. And I was really talking to her about some, some things, and I really don't open up to her that much. And 
she sent me this plaque that says, I can and I will. And it was very uh, touching. And she has those moments. And that's what I would really invite everyone that is listening to this right now to just remember the times when your parents have been there for you. Because look, when you're a parent, you'll understand that your parents can't be there for you all the time. And look, we come into this sobriety thing and we have the mind of like a seven-year-old, okay? And we think everybody's supposed to bow down to us because we're sober and we're better than everyone. Well, we're not, okay? We're not. And there's going to be times, even the parents that are there for their kids continuously, where they're kids are going to be disappointed. But when you're a parent, you're going to realize that it's not simple and you do care for your kids, but everybody loves in a different way. And if you can just grasp onto that concept and look back at the times when your when your mom or your dad did things like that and you thought they were total clueless about your life, it's really funny now. So I would, I would invite you to go there and just remember, again, we're all on this journey together. The next time that I come back on podcast number three, I'm going to talk about when I got sober, it was when I first got sober, it was in the 90s. And of course, there were a lot of differences, but they're hilarious. So that's going to be the next podcast. So tune in and thanks for joining me. And you have a great sober day.